I see that as a bigger danger of owning equipment, you know, bigger than even the, the maintenance cost and, and what have you. Uh, but the bigger danger is that I have this equipment and if there's a delay or an impact that the owner had, had started, uh, we're less likely to charge the client for it because we already own it. But there is a real cost to the business there. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 56. And the title is uh, The Hidden Costs of Equipment on a Construction Project. And so equipment actually represents a huge component of, of a project cost. So we're very comfortable with understanding labor costs and material costs, but equipment Costs are typically those redheaded stepchildren that we forget about. I don't know why people forget about their stepchildren or why they're redheaded, but anyway, the point is that many times we overlook uh, equipment costs. And so we have a special guest here today uh, with kind of a unique background and a unique take on, on the equipment costs and the relationship there. So we're hoping to get some good input from Luke Powers. So Luke Powers is a founder and president of Gearflow.com. It's a super interesting business that we're going to be talking a little bit more about. But this is not a sales pitch, but he is uniquely qualified to speak on this topic. So Luke, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Thanks, Jason. And thanks, Mary. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, yeah, I uh, my background is actually I'm in, living in Chicago. Uh, born and raised on the north side here, and uh, our family business is actually on the supply side of the industry. So, um, so when you say supply a, side, what does that mean? Yeah, so we have a rental company here uh, in Chicago, two locations in northern Indiana, where we rent aerial lift equipment. So scissor lifts, boom lifts, mm -hmm. telehandlers, for the most part, um, with a little bit of earth moving and forklift as well. So that's how we got our start, and, uh, and and so that's what I mean by supply side. We I know the industry very well from um, providing the equipment, and I'm excited to be with you guys today mm -hmm. on um, you know finding ways we can we can help talk about the hidden cost of equipment on the job site. Yeah, and so what can you tell us about Gearflow? So there's a company that you started what two years ago called Gearflow.com, and it's a really interesting concept. So what what is Gearflow all about? That's right. You know, it started, Jason, with traveling the country for actually another family business of ours, USM Rerents, where we provide uh, the largest boom lifts. So think 100 foot to 180 foot boom lifts to rental companies, actually. So for um, contractors out there working on, um, you know, maybe new stadiums or wind farms, uh, something where you need uh, maximum uh, height or reach on a job. Mm -hmm. um, even United Rentals doesn't stock all those all the time. So our, our one of our family companies, uh, we we do, and I was able to call on um, rental companies, mom and pops, independents, all the way up to United and Sunbelt throughout the country. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw, you know, gosh, how many rental companies are out there that have all of this supply for contractors? They have um, fleets in their yards and on job sites. They have parts on their shelves. They have tools on their shelves that all of it's for sale and of course for rent on the equipment side, but it's very hard for contractors or really anybody to do research mm -hmm. um, on those companies mm -hmm. and on their inventory. Uh, and I thought that was unique to our industry. I, uh, you know, car autos, for example, has come such a long way over the last 20 years. 
um, homes, another great example of research you can do online. Um, and, and equipment's just a big black hole. Yeah, and, um, oh, I, I definitely get that. So in, in my GC experience, uh, you couldn't really find anything about equipment if you wanted to, to run that stuff down. I mean, you have to pretty much go to those parts suppliers and manually do it. It's like you have to find the card catalog and start rifling through. It's a, it's a mess. You got it. That's exactly right. It and it in um, and that's kind of the beauty of our industry is you know we have all these trusting relationships. You know, unfortunately, we we can only see the inventory we call on our few people, right? And right. Other than that, it's just a bunch of listing sites. If you're trying to track down a part you need for, let's say, a 20 year old machine that's been great for you, um, it can be really hard to keep that machine running. So the, the place that, that you're looking to fill, though, is, I, I imagine, almost like the Amazon of, of equipment parts. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody's at the Amazon of something. We, we are, uh, Amazon, um, you know, is just a remarkable model. And uh, they take a little, obviously, different approach. They're thinking, you know, on such a macro level with, uh, uh, you know, AI now and, um, you know, such a large company that what we're trying to do is um, be the research center. So to our point before on um, how difficult it was to really research companies near you, let's say in Seattle or wherever, um, and research inventory and parts, it's very manual and it's very hard outside of the relationships you have with dealers or a couple part sellers. Um, we want Gearflow to be that place that as a contractor, I can go uh, in the next few months here, going to be introducing dashboard tools where I can, you know, tell Gearflow what my business is. Let's mm -hmm. say I'm a roofer with, you know, 20, 20 employees um, and Gearflow. And, and here's my fleet. I have a 2016 wall telehandler. You know, I've got an 844. So you're, you're um, kind of loading these so in. So Gearflow is basically a, a place where. Yeah, you're, you're loading these in right? sort of like and, Amazon uh, where we have our cars there. And if we need a part or a filter or something along those lines, we just we uh, search by that by that piece of equipment and it just pops up. And I think that in construction equipment, that is, like you said, a black hole where we just don't have access to that kind of filtering. And the, the other added piece that you're talking about that's super valuable is trade specific because roofers uh, are in the market for certain types of equipment and it would save them a tremendous amount of time if they can just jump right to it. You got it. And it's, that, that's exactly right. Gearflow in a sentence is a marketplace, um, an e-commerce marketplace for all things construction. Mm -hmm. And so it's heavy equipment, light equipment, tools and parts like we talked about before, where if I'm a contractor, I can find OEM options, aftermarket options, and actually refurbished or used options on any given part. But the net result of that is you, you're absolutely right, Jason, is we want to help contractors be more efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, if Gearflow can turn into the procurement platform for small to mid-sized contractors um, to help them, you know, keep their equipment up on their job. That's phenomenal. That's, that's what we're going for. Got it. Oh, I appreciate all of that information and that intro. So the, the topic that we want to dig in here today is talking about the best practices of, of running construction projects as it relates to equipment. And I know that with your family background and your, your history in the industry, I'm sure you have a unique perspective. So when we're uh, thinking about just in, in best practice terms of equipment management, what types of things should we be thinking about when we have construction equipment? 
So what are the, the yeah. high points that we need to be aware of to make sure that we're getting the most bang for our buck? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a little bit of a unique perspective in that um, part of our business is actually repairing equipment in Tennessee, Florida, and Texas, mm -hmm. uh, where we, we do repairs for um, contractors, equipment, farmers, and, and rental companies as well. And when we get a piece of equipment in that um, can run upwards, and, and everybody would know this on the podcast, you know, the, the repair bill can get big quickly. Um, is we've seen just a lack of proper maintenance on maybe changing out the filters. Um, you know, we've just seen the, the machine degrade over time um, into you know frozen bolts and all that. Um, as as maybe cheesy, I guess, is it is to say it's it's really doing those things that we do for our cars. So. Mm -hmm. Making sure um, you know you're checking the brakes, you're checking the filters, you're changing the oil, um, you're having an annual inspection. If you don't have a mechanic on your team, that's okay. Um, definitely form a relationship with a trusted rental company uh, or dealer near you, uh, because a little bit of maintenance over the long term saves you tremendously on a big repair bill later, or you know where you're just in a position where you have to. Um, basically forced to send that machine to auction and buy new or find something else. Well, I think that's a, a great point, though, because we think about how often do we wait to change the oil in our car, right? We, we run that longer than we should. We run the, the tune-ups longer than we should. We kind of skip those, those uh, recommended maintenance windows. <clears throat> but when we're talking about fleet management and equipment management, the cost for downtime is, is tenfold what what downtime on our car would cost and right. typically we'll have a backup car or a second car or something like that so the the important part is that we create some sort of of professional implemented schedule some some trackable maintenance program for our fleet and for our equipment and we actually pay attention to to those maintenances for the reason that if we don't our guys are going to be out in the field and they're going to be working with broken equipment and that creates a safety hazard and that downtime is tremendously damaging to the work that we're trying to accomplish. That's right. In an extreme example here in Chicago, uh, we talked to a crane, uh, a company that um, had a crane go down on a job downtown Chicago and it cost this contractor a million dollars an hour mm -hmm. until they could get it back up uh, the next day. So what about <clears throat> safety best, best practices when we're talking about working with equipment? We want to make sure our, our people are trained, our operators are trained, um, that the equipment we're using is safe. Um, it doesn't have to be tier four, it doesn't have to be new equipment, um, but it does have to be, you know, working as it should. Mm -hmm. And I think an important point here is that, that when we have equipment, whether we own it or we're renting it, it's important that we actually make sure the folks are trained before they just get on it and start using it. Uh, and whether that's just some sort of internal certification of, of training and testing or whether that's a formal training process, uh, it's important that, especially if they've never worked with a 180-foot boom lift before, uh, it, it is a good best practice to make sure that they have proper training. Unfortunately, you know, the most deaths that happen on our job sites um, happen because of error, which is really a shame, you know, that people don't go home um, at the end of days and or they're, they're critically injured um, because of, uh, you know, them not understanding the machine and, and the, the limits of the machine. So it's, it's basically, um, you're, you're saying that the majority of fatalities around equipment happen because of, of lack of training? Yeah, I would say that um, from, you know, everything that I've passed 
has been talking about and pushing these standards, it seems that, and this is what we've seen on our equipment, um, you know, just as, as our family business, uh, when, when the machine gets out of alignment, it can just be to a, due to a misunderstanding of the limitations. For example, taking out, you know, a, let's say it's 6,000 pound telehandler, right? That 6,000 pounds only can go out so many feet. It can't actually extend if the, uh, you know, telehandler can go out 44 feet. Yeah. It can't actually carry 6,000 pounds, 44 feet. Yeah, up it's, to whatever. it's leverage, right? It's, it, you, that's not what it's intended for, but it's a sliding scale. And many folks don't quite understand that. And I know I, in the tower cranes that I've seen, they actually have some good live feedback from the equipment telling you whether or not it's happy. And I know that right. in, in some of the equipment that I've driven, uh, there were kind of manual pieces of feedback. Are we seeing any more technology come into play to kind of give you a warning that you're overloaded? Yeah, we are. You know, the, the new equipment in uh, you know, the manufacturers such as Genie, JLG, Skyjack are really leading in that um, safety as well as many, you know, the smaller OEMs. Um, safety's front of mind as they're engineering their new machines. Mm -hmm. um, it's to do that in real time. That's exactly right, Jason. So, so this is a tangent, but a total nerd question that I have for you. Uh, so we're seeing in a lot of technology that it's finally catching up, kind of idiot-proof technology, mistake-proof technology. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you can't break it, but it's very difficult to. Uh, and, and two of the, the related topics that I'm thinking about have to do with, say, the, uh, the collision-proof drones where basically they have sensors in every axis that prevent that from colliding with anything and it will it will not do it and then the second is the uh, the table saws that the second that they they let's say your finger makes contact with that saw blade it stops because it, it as right. soon as it conducts electricity uh, it stops. There are really gross videos on YouTube with hot dogs yeah. where they're showing that it'll stop when it hits the hot <laughs> and, dog. And it just like scuffs the hot dog and it's amazing. Are we seeing any sort of, of technology like that related to, to construction equipment? Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, all three of those on the aerial lift side now, um, you know, just a heads up to all the listeners and to Jason and Mary, I know the most about aerial lifts equipment, as you can tell, as that's our, our family business. But um, the sensors, there's now sensors around the basket of new aerial lifts, and they will be uh, if you get too close to um, an object where, okay. let's say, you know, you're you, you're throttling down the joystick to, to raise a boom lift, but you're looking down at your, your toolbox. Um, you know, unfortunately, people have gotten crushed that way because maybe they haven't seen a beam or whatever. Uh, in some cases, some models will actually stop and reverse. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes, so, the, so that is happening where, um, you know, just like your hot dog example, you, you can't mess that up. The machine will stop. Uh, or if you try to throw it out, you try to put too much load on, mm -hmm. um, it'll stop and, and it'll uh, tell you what's wrong. Simultaneous to that, uh, the machines are getting smarter with uh, – talking to your phones hmm. uh, so that you know running diagnostics and seeing you know what the machine's doing is becoming more and more mobile and i think all the oems see that that's the writing on the wall that's where we're going is the machine talks to contractors so my, talks my, to my refrigerator owners. does that so you yeah. would hope that that if your refrigerator <laughs> could do it uh construction equipment that costs sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars you'd hope that that could do it what what a right. two thousand dollar refrigerator could do so right 
I have less visibility than either of you, I think, in terms of what causes the problems that happen with equipment when there are safety issues. But I think that in addition to people not understanding the limitations of the, the, the equipment, another thing that I feel like I've seen a, a bit of is skipping steps in the setup of the equipment mm-hmm. where uh, either they didn't realize something needed to be secured in a certain way or they didn't realize how. So, or, or we're going to do this lift without the outriggers. Uh, I right. know that, that you know the lift is not that much or the reach is not that far, so we just don't need to use the outriggers. Uh, but we're basically skipping some of those those core steps. And construction guys are are notorious for mm-hmm. bypassing the safety settings, for removing the guards. Uh, just get out of my way so I can get my work done. And I think the key part about any technology that, that's intended to keep us safer is that it has to actually work. It has to make it easier for us to do our job. Right. Right. And, you know, an example I would think of um, that goes right along with your point, Mary, is that, you know, taking the time, stepping back from, okay, I'm a roofer, I need to get this roof on and I need to get to my next job. Well, let's say there was a thunderstorm the night before and the ground is so wet that actually the tires of my telehandler will sink down because I have to ride over grass instead of asphalt or concrete um, that I may not have anticipated or my my operator didn't anticipate. And now I've got to, you know, <laughs> you know, hopefully everything's okay on the safety side. It doesn't topple over and everybody's okay, but at, at very least I, I need to pull this thing out now of the ditch. Um, that I didn't anticipate. So the physics of a, of a job site, um, it, you know, I think the kind of the theme we're talking about here is how can technology help us navigate those in real time? Because our minds are so on our work um, for good reason. Uh, you know, if we're doing the best job we can on the site and moving on to the next one, um, you know, and, and, and a lot of those uh, can be overlooked in our in our. Uh, focus and haste on the job. Well, and I think the, the uh, saw blade example is, is particularly poignant because uh, the saw blade feature that'll automatically lock up the saw, it doesn't make our work more complicated. It's built into the technology and it doesn't add a step for us. It actually, in, in some cases, people would be more comfortable working without a guard. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you should use the saw without the guard, but I'm saying that the threat of getting cut on that saw goes down and it's not right. an extra layer of protection we have to worry about. It just works. Right. So uh, another component as it comes into, we're talking about project costs and making sure that we're managing those things are, are topics of how do we get our arms around understanding equipment cost? How do we make sure that we're capturing those things? And I think that, uh, contractors are super comfortable at calculating labor, like lost labor or downtime or, or things of that nature, and also material costs. We're very comfortable in, in getting our arms around that, calculating extra material or lost or damaged material. But equipment, oftentimes, it gets ignored. And I think one best practice that I've used in the past is when we're starting a project, we make sure that we write down our equipment rates for the project and get the client to sign off on it. So if you look at some of the best excavation companies, the reason why they're so successful is that they incorporate those, that list of rental rates into their contract uh, with, with a general contractor. And therefore, there's no bickering about what you're charging me for those, those pieces of equipment. And have you seen anything along those lines uh, in terms of sharing your equipment rate sheets with clients, whether it's from your family business or any experience in the field? Yeah, I, 
contractors that bid work um, call us regularly. Uh, they want to know, they want to understand their rental rates um, going into the job. And there's two different philosophies around this, uh, probably three. You know, one is contractors feel very comfortable renting on each job, and they usually have one to three people they call for it. Um, that's one where they know they're paying a premium, but, you know, they think in, in hope because they have in the past had very good success with those suppliers. They're on time. They've got good equipment. Their equipment's safe and all that good stuff. There are contractors that prefer to own, uh, which of course you get, you know, some tax benefits there, of, you know, long-term depreciation and a, a lower cost uh, per hour of equipment on the job site. And then there's a mix um, of people that, you know, own um, their, their assets that they use most often um, and rent those that, that they don't. Um, you know, I would say for, you know, to answer your question, there's, it, it really depends on the business, kind of depends on where you are. Hopefully, as a contractor, you always need to rent because that means you have more work than you own equipment for. And that's always a good thing. That's a growing problem. Um, you know, so where you're, you're evaluating maybe what assets to buy. And from what I've seen, about seven, the, the metric is 70%. If you're using a certain type of machine, um, at least 70% of the year. Uh, it's probably worth it to own it, you know, if, if maintenance is pretty straightforward and it's not too complex of a machine. Uh, if you're using it under that, you know, maybe 50 to 70, it's kind of a toss up. If you're using it under 50%, you know, definitely rent that machine. Um, well, and, and I think the the uh, pinch, the, the two, two uh, obstacles that we're kind of dodging between there are uh, we don't want the equipment to be the limiting factor, but we also don't want to have a whole fleet of equipment that's just sitting around. That's that's not a good situation either because basically right. we're losing money for every hour that that those are sitting there. We had a client uh, earlier on in in our business where he had this case of of uh, trucks, uh, toy equipment in the office, and you look out in in the yard and there was the same set of equipment, and it was like he was collecting them, and it created this this huge. Uh, uh, burden for the company that you have all of this equipment and most of it was purchased and owned outright, uh, but it wasn't actually working. So it's just deteriorating over time. Well, and I yeah. think there's this mindset that if we rent it, now there's a ticking clock. Now it's costing me every minute that I'm renting it. So now I have to put it to use. And then as soon as we own it, it's like in our mind, that clock stops ticking. Mm -hmm. Even though the truth is that same clock is yeah. ticking all the time. It's a lower cost, you know, per day. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and I think when we, we, we have that same challenge when we're billing work for our clients. Mm -hmm. So as a contractor, if I rent a piece of equipment, that passes straight through, right? I get the invoice for that rental, I mark it up or whatever, and that goes right into my billing to my client. Yeah. But if I own equipment, then I get confused about how I'm supposed to bill them for equipment that I own because there is no invoice from the rental company. There's no hard bill that you have to pay. And how I, much right. does it cost for the two days it was on the job? So, I don't really know. And, and I think that this is a place where, where a lot of people get turned around where uh, if you own the equipment, you're much less likely to, to bill the client for that equipment. Right? I, I see that as... as a, it's like, I already had it. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it doesn't cost me I, anything. I see that as a bigger danger of owning equipment, You know, bigger than even the, the maintenance cost and, and what have you. Uh, but the bigger danger is that I have this equipment and if there's a delay or an impact that the owner had, had started, uh, we're less likely to charge the client for it because we already own it. 
but there is a real cost to the business there. One challenge that a lot of people come up with is how do we even figure out what to charge for that rate? And and we work with our clients on this in terms of of how do we bill the owner for, for overages? So let's say there's a design delay where now all of my equipment or all of my, my trucks are just sitting on the job. They're kind of locked up and I can't put them to work anywhere else. So because we own that equipment, it's difficult to actually tag a, a rental rate to it. Uh, and you could try to pull from a, a rental company or just copy their rates. But the, the best practice that we recommend for how to get to that is we say, okay, calculate your total fleet cost. So what is your total fleet cost for your work trucks? And then you want to include your fuel and your maintenance and your lease or lease amounts or depreciation. And then you take your number of work days, divide that out, uh, divide by the number of trucks. And then what you end up with is basically a daily truck cost. And mm-hmm. at a minimum, that is what you should be charging uh, when, when you have those delays and impacts. And I think that many times we don't really know how to get our heads around that total calculation. Uh, to even start having the conversation in terms of delay. But I think it's important because we look at it like, okay, so I have this project and I have my equipment all figured out so that I'm going to charge them for the amount on my equipment that's going to make my equipment pencil. And then my equipment's going to move on to this other job that is also going to make a pencil. Well, now when this one job that I'm on, it extends by six months. If I don't bill them for my equipment costs during those six months that it extended, then that equipment is now losing me money because yeah. it's costing right. that, that, that timer still running. It's still costing me money, but I don't think about billing for it. And I think that is the thing that we need to help people get their heads around is that you have to bill for that equipment that you own just like it was rental equipment. They wouldn't forget That's to bill for rental equipment. That's right. And maybe a, a, where we're driving here is that um, if, if I'm a contractor and I'm constantly renting a 40 foot boom lift and I'm, you know, renting it, let's say 80% of the year and I decide to buy one. Um, well, I should charge for that, uh, 40 foot boom lift. What I, I was getting charged before and maybe whatever my markup was, if I want to decrease that markup a little bit, that's okay. You know, maybe to be competitive, um, on a bid, um, but still treat it as you're renting it. I think that's a great, um, philosophy on on equipment ownership uh, because then you see less of a difference in um, you know whether I charge for equipment whether I don't how much I mark it up because you're you're under the gun of you know and hopefully that uh, uh, helps people that love to collect equipment for the sake of collecting equipment like Ferraris and they cost that much too I mean my yeah, gosh. it does um, you know so uh, and maybe that's the great way to look at it. You're renting everything, whether you own it or not, to uh, to the job anyway. Right? Uh, and so yeah. this this is a philosophy that, that my dad gave to me years ago. That was, <clears throat> if you want to buy a new car, the smartest way to do it is basically just start putting money away into an account just like you're making that payment, right? Make your car payment right. to yourself. Make your car payment to yourself and you're putting that money away. And essentially then when it's time to buy a new car, then you have that money set aside in the kitty and you pay 0% interest and you buy the car and then you basically chunk that money away again for the next one. Keep making the car payment so that next time you need a car, the money will be there. And the idea is that 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 cost is there no matter what, but there are smarter ways that we can manage it. So in in terms of wrapping up the the gear flow conversation, so do you have any big pieces of news coming up for, for the company? Well, we are working uh, to our uh, conversation earlier. We're working on these dashboard tools where if, if I'm a contractor, I can enter in my fleet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can tell Gearflow just high level about 
my business. So we can be smart about um, you know recommending you, let's say, oil filters or um, brake pads or whatever for your machines. Um, you know, and then in the future, you know, in 2021, we are looking towards being able to actually rent through the platform. So yeah. today, you can buy parts and tools, and very soon we'll have equipment listings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the future, we would love um, you know to introduce rental to make it uh, really a uh, again a procurement platform for contractors, one stop shop. That's right. So I have a really right. important question. So we talked before about the idea that Jason knows. He's already laughing. He knows it's not an important question. Uh, we talked about the fact that every piece of equipment has six names, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So Snorkel lift. Right? Spider lift, right, yeah. cherry picker. Yeah. So what is the weirdest equipment name that you know of? <laughs> like the weirdest colloquial name. Oh, you man. You know what? It's so funny. They like... They all seem normal after eight years of being in this. Like, I oh man, snorkel lift is pretty weird. That's well, and, a pretty weird one. And they're all they're regional too. They're different based on where you go in the country. So in That's one right. place it's a cherry picker, and then you go somewhere else, and you're like, "Do you have any cherry pickers?" And they're like, "What are you talking about?" That's a cherry picker. That's a that's a field worker, right? <laughs> this is a right. this is a bebop lift. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I tell you what can be confusing from our side, you know, just from a rental company side is you know. In the Northeast, for example, they call telehandlers lulls. Mm-hmm. Lulls is such a great, you know, JLG has since acquired them, a great brand. But if they say, hey, I've got, I've got your lull here, and we have lulls in our fleet as well as Genies and Skyjacks and others, right? And so it just totally throws you off taking the call. You're like, okay, you got the lull. Wait, which lull is that? I didn't, I didn't think that was on that job. Oh, man, like, am, I, am I missing something? So you have, so you have to be <laughs> careful. And, and you, right. it's funny because you said that, and that's my association is lull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bobcat's another one. Bobcat, you know, the Lull and Bobcat were able to do like the Kleenex of their, yeah. you know, skid steer and telehandler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really hats off to them. But that's something, of course, you know, as you own Bobcats and, you know, Cat and Case or whatever else, uh, you need to figure out <laughs> what machine they're actually talking about. Yeah, so, that's funny. So any yeah. any other uh, names that you can think of? Oh, uh, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I certainly will after this call. Goes. Yeah, right? It'll That's be the next goes. week they'll be occurring to <laughs> That's you. That's the way it goes. So, uh, well, and, and listeners, mm-hmm. if uh, you know of any weird names for equipment, yeah. then uh, let yeah. us know. Go ahead and send it in. Yeah, send it in. We'd love to hear all about your cherry pickers and your snorkel lifts and your spider cranes and <laughs> what have you. Please do. Uh, so you can find us. Well, so... First of all, where can people find you, Luke? Yeah, I uh, have my cell phone. I'm, uh, I'm Luke. It's my, my email is Luke at Gearflow.com. Um, Does you Gearflow have any so, social media presence? Yeah, we're on all of them. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, and then we, get, we write a regular blog. So our blog, by the way, if, if anyone wants to check it out at Gearflow.com um, backslash blog, we'll we, we talk about uh, these issues we talked about today. Uh, we talk about e-commerce in our industry. We highlight different suppliers we think are really great. Um, and, and yeah, we want to be a voice of uh, you know knowledge in the industry and research. And we want to highlight all the great companies uh, doing great things out there and, um, and, and foster this great community we have in the construction industry. Got it. Super cool. So you can find Gearflow at www.gearflow.com. Is that right, Luke? That's right. All right, cool. You can find us 
on on well you can find us at our website www.arcadewayfinding.com you can find us at builder chat so every thursday at 1 p.m pacific standard time we have builder chat go ahead and go to arcade wayfinding to get more info about that we love meeting new folks that's partnership with abc western washington uh you can find us at equipmentfangirls.com that's not a real website and you can't find (laughs) us there you might find jason there i don't know maybe he's posting there like behind i don't know about it i'm posting all by myself (laughs) it's just like like screaming in an echoey empty room are you like the only dude on equipment fangirls i might be i might be (laughs) Like the one dude. This is like you on the playground when you were actually in elementary school where like Screaming it was just, like a little girl? Well no, it was just you like hanging out with all the little girls. And oh, all yeah. the guys thought it was funny until yeah. you guys got to middle school. Right. And then they realized you were where they wanted to be. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us in West Seattle. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the bridge. We are right off the West Seattle Bridge yeah. still, yeah. but the West Seattle Bridge is no longer a thing. And I after guess. we get to phase two, then we'll have a conversation about having coffee. Yeah. Uh, almost. So, we're almost there. So we'll see you next time. Watch yeah. for it. Watch for it. I don't know that we have outtakes. We were very oh. we were very on point. Oh, we'll have today. some outtakes. <laughs> I have some ideas about that. Alright. Watch, Watch for, for it. <laughs> and I didn't realize we had started it uh, officially, but <laughs> my two-year-old started body training. She <laughs> sprints in the office with just a t-shirt on. And he goes, hey Dad, I just went potty. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a call so it's uh yeah it's fun the kids are great and uh my wife's been awesome with uh with me on this startup and that's actually that's actually a selling point when stuff like that happens because it's more about your ability to recover uh, (laughs) i had a, a big important interview years ago and our dog came down it was like in, in my business Just hard. walked right in front yeah, of the camera. Juan was up, like, trying to get attention or what have you. And, and I think that it shows humanity uh, when you're able to recover from that and not get flustered and just kind of roll with it. It kind of shows a unique part of yourself. But, That's right. Uh, so what is your, uh, what is the first thing you're going to do when you get out of the pandemic? Oh, man. I think belly up at a bar. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's exactly the... Uh, I picked up one of our uh, employees got married uh, this weekend. They were supposed to have a big uh, wedding, but they just had it in their backyard with their parents and siblings. It ended up being special, I'm sure, for them. And he was, he had a great time. But um, anyway, I picked up a, a nice bottle of whiskey for him. And gosh, did I just want to sit down at the distillery. Oh, man. <laughs> they wanted me to, too. <laughs> just like, okay, well, rain check. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's missing all the places that, that we want to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah.